possible news in the search for missing dog walker Annette Poitras. Applause and cheers for rescue crews as they touch down safely. Good evening and thanks for joining us. All smiles in Coquitlam today. Rescue crews found the 56-year-old dog lover and the three dogs after she spent two cold nights lost in the woods. We are happy to report they are all in remarkable shape. We'll bring in Jeff Hastings now. Jeff, good to hear the dogs are fine too. This really is an amazing rescue story. It's a remarkable story, Chris and Sophie, truly incredible. We rarely see the kind of emotion that we saw today, the kind of positive energy. People were just jubilant. We spoke to the missing woman's husband this morning, and he said he knew today was the day he knew she'd be found. Rescuers know that for two full days, a woman's life has hung in the balance. Annette Poitras has been missing in the Coquitlam backcountry with three dogs. It's cold, and it's hardly stopped raining. She was finally found just before midday. Jubilation, Annette is back. She's a tough cookie, I knew. There was no, no question in my mind. Reunited with her husband, she's off to hospital, but probably not for long. All things considered, she's in great shape. And uh, they said she was in a good mood. They, they, they kept her warm and dry. They did a quick assessment, and uh, her, her vitals were great, other than the, the injury to her rib where she slipped on a log. Annette's reunion isn't the only one. Three dogs survived the backcountry ordeal with her. One of the dog owners held back as rescuers bring her dog down. Bubba is a little shy after being long lined out. Thank you, everybody, to who saved these, this woman, this incredible woman, and these dogs. You'd never know that Roxy just spent a cold, hungry couple of days and nights outside. She's just happy to meet everyone. Annette is a good friend of mine, and I wish her well, and I hope that she can get back out walking real soon, because all the dogs love her. It's just, it's just so incredible. You know what, there's, there's so many people to thank, it's not possible, so it's unbelievable. Thank you everybody for your prayers. The best ending. Annette is not home yet, but she's safe, and she's with the people she loves. Jeff, a cheer went up in the newsroom today when we got the news, and it really is amazing. But the truth is, searches like this don't always end this way, and Coquitlam Search and Rescue say calls have been way up this year. Oh, that's right. Uh, they, they talked about how excited they were that Annette was found, that this is such a great ending, but they know that this could easily have gone the other way. They wanted to point out that uh, Annette was in an area that they encourage people to stay out of. So they're asking people not to take risks. Coquitlam Search and Rescue uh, crew calls up about 150% this year, up substantially, and they're worried that next time won't end as well. Chris and Sophie? All right, hope she recovers quickly. Thanks very much, Jeff. And Annette's rescue is the latest in a number of happy endings and near-miracle rescues in B.C. We'll take a look back at some of those amazing stories a little later tonight. A man is in hospital tonight after being shot by CP Rail Police in the Fraser Valley. It happened at about 8 this morning along the tracks near Lougheed Highway and the Abbotsford Mission Highway. A police responded to a call saying that a man had stolen a knife and merchandise from a grocery store and was seen walking toward the nearby railway tracks. A CP Police Service officer 
uh, confronted the suspect and shots were fired. The suspect ran but was arrested by Mission RCMP. The 33-year-old man suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Police are investigating. A case of animal cruelty on Vancouver Island has now resulted in the arrest of a 20-year-old man and a warning some of the details are disturbing. It's alleged a group of people recorded a video of them abusing a cat and then sent that video via social media to the animal's owner. Neetu Garcha spoke to her about why she thinks she was targeted. She certainly did not deserve all of this that happened to her. It's just disgusting. This one-year-old calico cat is at the veterinary clinic after suffering abuse her owner, Charlene Hagland, feared would be deadly. I kept hearing such awful things. And I'm like, there's no way she'd survive that. Hagelin says Gigi escaped from her Duncan home Monday evening. Instead of feeling relieved when they discovered where she was, panic and horror set in. My daughter got notifications on social media that pictures that they had her cat. We realized that somebody had put 666 in her ear. Then we had heard that they gave her a bleach bath. Hagelin says photos and videos were sent to her daughter from Snapchat, showing the cat being tortured by the teen's former friends. My daughter didn't really know what to do. I wasn't at home. Court documents show 20-year-old Joshua Lemire is facing one count of causing unnecessary pain or suffering to an animal. North Cowich and Duncan RCMP confirmed they're investigating the report of animal cruelty, adding further charges are being considered for other youth who were involved. A friend of Hagelin's daughter took to social media. Her Facebook post about the incident has been shared hundreds of times. It identifies five alleged abusers, including Joshua Lemire, and describes the Snapchat posts as showing the cat being drugged, shaved, and thrown out a window. That post helped reunite Gigi with her family. When Duncan resident Olivia Thorson was out for a walk Tuesday evening... We seen a cat come out of the grass right here, and it came running to us, scared, shaky, hungry. So I looked on Facebook because I thought it was the cat, so I double-checked her post, and it was the cat. As for why anyone would do this, Hagelin suspects it's a case of bullying. Some type of retaliation for what i don't know the vet confirms urine samples tested positive for mdma and even though Gigi is on her way to a full recovery it's really hard to imagine that people can be so cruel the challenge now is coming to grips with what she went through <laughs> me to garcha global news duncan Tense moments this afternoon for some students and parents in Langley. Brookswood Secondary was put on lockdown after reports of a man possibly with a gun in a field on school property. RCMP, including police dogs, conducted a thorough search both outside and inside the school and found nothing. The students were later released to their anxious parents. I was just thinking it was a drill at first, but then I realized there was like eight cop cars zooming by and I realized like... It was actually going down. It was very scary. And, yeah, I felt really sick to my stomach. It seemed like it was handled very well. And everybody seemed safe, so that's the best thing. And late this afternoon, RCMP said it was a false alarm and they have wrapped up their investigation. After apologizing for controversial statements made about the provincially mandated SOGI curriculum that supports LGBTQ inclusively in B.C. schools, Chilliwack school trustee Barry Newfeld is doubling down on his original comments. As Aaron MacArthur reports, a heated exchange at competing rallies in the Fraser Valley last night shows a community divided. Hey, hey, ho, ho, Barry Newfeld's got to go. The calls for Barry Newfeld to step down are growing louder. 
Dozens of people protested his appearance in Chilliwack at a meeting organized by people who are known as culture guards. The elders in our society should be encouraging education rather than pushing back on it and trying to uh, stop their children from accessing the education that will make their children do better in our society. Newfeld spoke. And if you don't agree, we will call you names, bigots, bullies, homophobes. And far from backing down, vowed to run for school board again, repeating his claims that gender identity and inclusion have no place in the school curriculum. It creates a new uh, target audience, and that is children, parents, and teachers who have uh, issues of conscience about this type of material, and it will alienate them. Newfeld hardly alone. 300 people or so were at the meeting, and the views echoed by many. But what they tried to silence me and many people in this room with is being a bigot and a hater. And we're not. You know what a bigot is? It's someone who is in disagreement with someone else's opinion, which makes almost every one of us in this room a bigot. The condemnation of this viewpoint was evident, and it is widespread. We're trying to, to deal with the whole issue as opposed to, you know, some of the misinformation that's out there. I'm always concerned when you hear intolerant voices uh, uh, organizing against uh, uh, what we're trying to do, which is make it an inclusive and safe uh, school space for our students. Newfeld won't be fired from the board or censured, but it seems his apology of a few weeks ago has been replaced by defiance. And he has plenty of support in Chilliwack. Aaron McCarthy, Global News. Police in Alberta are asking for your help to find two missing women who may be in B.C. 22-year-old Serenity Roswell and 21-year-old Jasmine Sleva were last seen five days ago in the central Alberta town of Sylvan Lake, west of Red Deer. The women have not been heard from since then. RCMP believe they might have traveled to our province, specifically the West Vancouver area, and they might be driving a black 2015 Jeep Patriot, similar to that one, with Alberta license plate BYH4108. If you have any information, you are asked to contact police or Crime Stoppers. Ottawa making a major announcement today on one of the biggest issues facing Metro Vancouver, affordable housing. The federal government is committing $40 billion over 10 years towards some ambitious goals, including cutting homelessness in half. Tanya Beja has the details. BC's housing crisis is about to get some help. The federal government today announcing cash to ease the crunch. The federal government is back in housing and in a big way with more ambition, more money, and a greater desire to collaborate. A 10-year, $40 billion national housing strategy will tackle the affordable housing shortage by helping build 60,000 new units and funding repairs to 240,000 more Canada-wide. The program's goal, to cut homelessness by half. Some advocates say that's not ambitious enough and want more emergency funding up front. We have the public support behind us. We have the people on the ground ready to do the work. I don't see why we don't do our best shot at trying to house as many people as we can in 10 years instead of saying we're going to go half the way. The federal government plans to make housing a human right and will create a $4 billion benefit program offering rental subsidies for up to 300,000 households. It's a great first step. 
but we know the numbers in need are much larger than the numbers that are currently being targeted by the federal government as what they're going to provide. The subsidies also won't kick in until 2020. Ottawa waiting to work out the details with the provinces. My expectation is we're starting right away and we're going to be building our budget in February based on resources coming from Ottawa. And how much British Columbians will get, they won't say. Tanya Beja, Global News. The Site C Dam project is the subject of a political and financial tug of war. The Premier hinting at not only how complex the decision is on its future, but why the government will likely face lawsuits no matter what it decides. Keith Baldry joins us now from Victoria to explain why. Keith. Yeah, Chris, you know, we continue to read the tea leaves over here, trying to figure out which way the NDP's headed on this, or is it uh, terminate the dam or proceed full stop? Uh, and so we pay attention to language, and language that the Premier and Cabinet Ministers use today. Uh, talking to reporters, Premier John Horgan for the first time acknowledged that if he does, the government does terminate the dam, uh, they will face lawsuits by First Nations, just as they will face lawsuits if it goes ahead. And he's also acknowledging, it seems to be giving equal weight to the fact that there are critics of that BC Utilities Commission report that opponents of the dam have seized on. So again, I'm sure it's a clue, but certainly more tea leaves to take a look at. Here's the Premier. We heard early on in the process that there were Indigenous groups that were uh, uh, contemplating litigation. Should we not proceed? And we've now heard from Indigenous groups that say there will be litigation if we do proceed. We've heard from people uh, that say the Utilities Commission work was exemplary, and we've heard from people who say the Utilities Commission work was deficient in a number of areas. And one more development. I uh, just learned that the cabinet has invited six experts representing all points of view to make submissions on the dam, uh, whether it's a green light or a red light, which means the decision on the dam is still likely weeks away. Chris? Education, so important in this topic. <laughs> all right, thanks very much, Keith. And how many people can you fit on a motorcycle? The limit is probably higher than you think after this video coming up on the News Hour. But first, a UBC researcher has found the answer to a mystery about the behavior of bowhead whales in the Northwest Passage. As Linda Ellsworth reports, her discovery was almost accidental and came with the help of drone technology. In the remote and frigid waters of Canada's Arctic lives a species of whale, the bowhead, whose biology and lifestyle is largely a mystery. I was really interested in focusing my research on determining when and where bowhead whales feed and what their primary prey is. The question foremost on Sarah Fortune's mind, what effect will climate change have on these magnificent animals, which are just recovering from decades of whaling? As we have this high rate of sea ice loss, their environment is changing and their food is likely to change as well. During her many expeditions to Cumberland Sound, Sarah used nets to capture and study the whale's small shrimp-like prey and used tags to track the whales until one day when one of the devices went silent then popped up in a nearby bay. It was quite damaged and so where we found our tag was in this really shallow bay with large rocks. The same bay where whalers and local Inuit had observed whales exhibiting odd, unexplained behaviors for over a hundred years. So that's when you send in the drones. And that's when we saw very clearly that the whales were spending quite a bit of time rubbing their bodies on these rocks, kind of like a, a pumice stone. What the aerial view gave her was an explanation. The whales were molting, sloughing off dead skin by rubbing against the rocks and knocking off the tracking device while doing it. 
for me, it was really important to know that bowhead whales are using Cumberland Sound for molting because it changes our understanding of why this area is important. And that's important because as warming trends break up the ice, allowing for more human encroachment, critical habitats will have to be identified and protected. So that we can manage human activities such as oil and gas, fishing and shipping. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. With Black Friday and Cyber Monday fast approaching, many of you might beginning might be beginning your holiday shopping online. Unfortunately, it's also prime time for fraudsters trying to get access to your personal information. Our consumer reporter Andrew joins us now with some advice on how to stop them. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we're going to see more of this as we approach Christmas. Mm-hmm. Thanks, you too. The Better Business Bureau is sounding the alarm tonight about fake invoices, bills for goods and services you did not order or receive. It's a scam so prevalent right now. The Better Business Bureau says it's It's off the charts in terms of how many people are getting fooled, largely in part because these type of scams are getting more sophisticated. In fact, just days ago, Amazon announced its customers are being targeted by these fake emails. So here's how they typically work. A fake invoice arrives in your email with a logo from a company like UPS, Amazon, iTunes, and even Canada Post. They're all designed to trick the victim into clicking on an attached link. Some invoices might say your order or delivery is stuck in transit and will urge you to click on a link and input your personal information. Other invoices invite customers to open a document to confirm their address for a parcel delivery. If you fall victim, you may risk infecting your computer with a virus or worse, your personal information will find its way into the hands of a fraudster. If you click on one of these links, uh, you you could be opening yourself up to a whole host of uh, malware and spyware that's designed to uh, either freeze your computer so you have to pay to get it unlocked. Uh, That's ransomware. Or it could be spyware where they're trying to uh, find your your passwords and your um, uh, access codes to any number of accounts, like your online banking. That's that's a really big the big concern about it. Sometimes they might even be fishing for your social insurance number because if someone has your social insurance number, your name and address, they can start accessing uh, government programs and even opening opening bank accounts in your name. So what can you do to protect yourself? If you have any doubt, delete the email and call the company directly if you have any concerns about your order. Watch out for poor grammar and spelling mistakes in the invoice. That's usually a giveaway that it's not legitimate. Also beware of emails or invoices that have an urgent tone or are threatening in nature, urging you to give up your personal information. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me through email at consumermatters@globalnews.ca. A fireball believed to be a meteorite lights up the skies over parts of Japan. The flash lasted about three seconds and was captured by a number of dash and surveillance cameras. It was terrifying, though, for many Japanese who were over or who overwhelmed the emergency phone system because of recent missile threats from North Korea. But the meteorite was likely part of the torrents, an annual meteor shower that happens in October and November. An unprecedented look tonight inside the secretive North Korean regime and the desperation of some of its citizens. The U.S. military has released dramatic surveillance video showing the frantic dash to freedom, shooting and rescue of a defecting North Korean soldier. Like a scene from a spy thriller, a military jeep hurtles into view. Inside the vehicle, a 24-year-old North Korean soldier, desperate to defect. 
As he nears the border, North Korean soldiers scramble after him. He leaps from his crashed jeep, narrowly escaping his pursuers. Seconds later, more soldiers appear and start shooting, even as the defector is running across one of the world's most dangerous borders. I do not recall another incident of hot pursuit across the border, which potentially could have led to an escalation. Hit five times, having lost half his blood, the defector's body slumped against a wall. Next, a daring rescue. South Korean soldiers crawling to him, dragging him to safety. Just last month, inside North Korea, we visited the DMZ and walked through the very same area. That is the border between North and South. The desperate escape and embarrassment to North Korea. I would guess, looking at past practice, that anybody associated closely with him will be tried and either executed or incarcerated. Tonight, he is recovering after two operations, lucky to be alive, running for freedom, escaping with just seconds to spare. Keir Simmons, NBC News. Three people are still missing after a U.S. Navy plane crashed into the ocean southeast of Okinawa this afternoon. The plane was carrying 11 crew and passengers to an aircraft carrier when it went down. Eight people were rescued and are in good condition aboard the carrier. U.S. and Japanese ships and planes are searching for the three people still missing. In Health Matters tonight, North Shore school districts have taken the lead with a new curriculum some say is long overdue. As Romina Dea reports, they're the first districts in the province to teach their students about mental health and, more importantly, how to recognize a problem. What if you failed a big test? Where would you put that? This is the age, 14, 15, the most common age of onset for mental illness. About 10 years ago, I would say, like, there was barely any talk of mental health except for like when it was on the news. Sutherland Secondary in North Vancouver, the first to launch a new mental health literacy course developed by expert Dr. Stan Kutcher of Dalhousie University. Students learning the difference between normal teen stress versus more severe problems. Going through the course really helps you understand like the difference between someone just being sad and someone actually having like depression. Bullying, suicide, the fentanyl crisis, many stories linked to mental health issues. The new program, an investment in the future, say educators. I think this course is part of a big picture of saving lives. Like I, I have no doubt that this will have a huge impact on people down the road. Every grade 9 student in North Vancouver and West Vancouver will now receive this mental health training. They are the only two districts in the province that are implementing the program in every school. The education minister exploring the idea of launching the course across B.C. But districts are doing things differently and we're looking to bring in an additional layer of provincial coordination to have a province-wide mental health strategy. Students swear the program is deconstructing stereotypes. For Will Nygaard, it's changed his life. People feel more comfortable around me. Like before they wouldn't invite me to do things, but now they're just like, oh yeah, this, he's just anxious. That's it. And this course changed that? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. It's had that kind of impact on your life? I feel like it has. Romina Dea, Global News. And why? 
and why. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Christy Gordon joins us now with a record-setting day. An incredible record-setting day. Check out some of these numbers. 19 degrees in Abbotsford today. Uh, These records are blowing, well, close to um, 80-year-long records. White Rock, 18.2 degrees. Just incredible warmth. And it's all because of that Pineapple Express. It's tropical air that is brought in right across the province, not only here across the south coast, but spreading up into these northern regions. We still have freezing rain warnings in effect. This is what it was like on Highway 97 between Chetwin and Dawson Creek today. Unreal. Minus 11. Freezing. freezing rain everywhere. Trying to get home. Yes, just a mess on the streets. And you heard her say it's raining, but it just freezes on impact. We still have that risk in the Pine Pass area. If you're heading out on the roads, do not wait until tomorrow because things will warm up and it'll all change to rain. But also Highway 16 between Smithers and Terrace, a big concern tonight. Meanwhile, the rest of the province generally warm and wet. There's the big plume of uh, rain. It's now going to shift into the interior regions tomorrow. So a bit of a break from the heavy rain Uh, Today, we saw very windy conditions as well across the south coast. Tomorrow, just light rain on and off. But yes, it is going to continue to be wet and also mild. Let's head up into the northern regions. Periods of rain for the north coast. Still a few flurries in through areas like Smithers. Tomorrow, light snow up in through Dees Lake. Just a chance of flurries in through Fort Nelson. Otherwise, mainly dry from Fort St. John down towards the Prince George region. However, you are expecting rain overnight in your region. It's just dry for you tomorrow. Meanwhile, the bulk of the rainfall shifting into the interior regions, but these numbers are a good five to six degrees above average for this time of year, and we will also be above average with highs of 12 degrees in Metro Vancouver, Fraser Valley, 13 degrees, but this is more so light rain on and off with overcast skies. So temperatures will cool off, but not until late Thursday. The freezing level, by the way, has been at about 3,000 meters for the um, south coast regions, and that's what we call sort of a snow eater. Not good news with all that early mountain uh, snow that we've seen. But the freezing level will drop again late tomorrow, which is good news. And there's more rain on the way right through the weekend, unfortunately. Uh, Staying near seasonal over the next little while. All right. Happy birthday to Horace Hood, Pearl Pearson, sorry, and Cecilio Cartagena. And also a happy anniversary to Julia and Anton Skopak and Reet and Martin Bruin. And our weather window for you tonight... From Heather Thede, this is Taylor, B.C. They had a ton of snow in the last little while, and it has been cold. It's raining in that area now, though. Mm, That's a great picture. Thanks, Christy. All right, we'll take you back to that strange site on a highway in India now. These are members of the Indian Army attempting to set a new world record for the most men riding on one moving motorbike. They're actually members of the Tornadoes, which is the Army's motorcycle display team. One at a time, they jumped onto the flanks of the bike until they set the record with 58 men. They trained for this for six months, and they did it on their third try. Now, this is not the first record for the Tornadoes. They hold a total of 20 world and national records. Video cuts out just as it looks like they were going off into the farmer's field. I don't know if that happened or not. but At least it was a soft landing then. Soft landing, that's right. Well, uh, let's talk about David Cassidy now, right? At the peak of his fame, there was hardly a bigger star on the planet. Cassidy, who rose to fame on the 1970s sitcom The Partridge Family, 
died yesterday at the age of 67. Now, the show was only on for four seasons and never cracked the top 10, but his celebrity far eclipsed the show. I think I love you. For so many starry-eyed girls, he was the original heartthrob. Girls are following me around. David Cassidy, best known for his role as Keith, the oldest brother on the Partridge family. So we he was a favorite cover for Tiger Beat magazine back in the 70s. But that early success gave way to later struggles. I'll always be an addict. There, there will always be that in me. But legions of women still flock to see the original heartthrob. Then earlier this year, Cassidy revealed he had dementia. When friends of yours or family members begin to say to you, remember I just told you this two days ago, and there is no memory of it. Today, Sean Cassidy, also a teen icon, said he'd always tried to catch up to his big brother. Now I will carry him, along with all the funny, sad, extraordinary days we shared. Well, a lot of people loved him, that's for sure. Our Mark Rodriguez, uh, an enormous fan. He sure was. I met him a few times, I think. Yeah, yeah, there, there are pictures of the two of them together, and Mark looks really chuffed, as they say. <laughs> uh, hey, I want to take a moment to congratulate the winner of the HSBC Canada 7's Ultimate Rugby Fan Contest we had a little bit earlier. Teresa Vivier, you are going to two of the greatest parties of 2018. She has won the $9,000 prize package, including two tickets to the Rugby Sevens in Vancouver in March, 10th and 11th of March, and tickets to the tournament in Hong Kong as well, along with round-trip flights and hotel accommodations. What a great prize package. Teresa Vivier, congratulations to you. Wow. I'm so jealous of you, Teresa. It's going <laughs> to well, be a good time. Well, it's a prize package, right? So maybe she could invite Maybe you there's room for you. one more on that flight to Hong Kong. You never know. <laughs> Squires back with sports. Canucks fans, maybe not demanding a winner every night, but at least an entertaining game well, every night. Well, here's the thing. If you go in with no expectations, <laughs> anything above that is huge. Mm. And the Canucks have delivered, I think, more. I, I even think the Canucks didn't expect to get off to this kind of a start. Eight and three on the road so far this year. Two wins this season against the Pittsburgh Penguins, the defending two-time Stanley Cup champions. They got beat by the Canucks at home. They got beat by the Canucks when the Canucks were on the road. Or you can look at it the other way, too. Whatever the case, the Canucks beat them twice. Um, Canuck fans now know what it's like to have a big shooter on your team, like, say, an Alex Ovechkin. Now, I'm not comparing Brock Besser with Alex Ovechkin, not yet. But he scores much the same way the great eight does. Top of the circle, deadly accuracy and velocity. He had two last night against Philadelphia. Tonight, Besser was locked and loaded for a game in Pittsburgh. And remember, he had three against the Penguins when they visited Rogers Arena earlier this month. Should have had four, but he was too nice a guy and didn't shoot it in the empty net and passed it. All right. There he is. Brock Besser. Put him in a scoring spot, and he will score. Besser has another one. one nothing in the first period. Pittsburgh does tie it, though. Jake Gensel... Breaks through the defense, gets his own rebound, beats Anders Nilsson, but Nilsson was great tonight. That's another thing about the Canucks so far this year. Their goaltenders have been very good, both Nilsson and Markstrom. 
Oops. A broken stick gets an assist on another Louis Erickson goal. What? Another Louis Erickson goal? That's two in two games. There you go. That's uh, Sidney Crosby's broken stick. It checks Phil Kessel, and it ends up in the back of the net in the Canucks of a 2-1 lead. This isn't good. Eric Gabranson getting hit. Didn't see him after the first period. Upper body injury. Don't know how serious yet. Okay, Canucks in the power play. Good patience there. There you go. Derek Pouliot, who the Canucks got from the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think that's his first goal in 65 games, although it did bounce in off Ian Cole of the uh, Penguins. So it's 3-1. Another Canucks power play. Henrik, Edler, Besser, Babing. That's the Ovechkin position. That's where Ovechkin hangs out normally and has a very similar shot. 4-2 now, empty net. Are you ready? Are you ready? The goal is by Brandon Sutter. There you go. <laughs> on to the final. Oh, I doesn't take much to entertain. I know. We are easily amused. Can Connor McDavid and the Oilers get their act together tonight in Detroit? Jujar Kara, local guy. 3-2 for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. We got whacked last night in St. Louis, 8-3. Uh, McDavid now setting up Drake Kajula. In the third period, last time we checked, the Oilers are leading this one by the score of 5-2. to two. Champions League. Okay, they pull the banner up here. You know? And it means? Ich bin ein Berliner. Okay, something like that. Thanks that might the, not be true. <laughs> thanks for the help. <laughs> Michael Lang, late goal. FC Basel beats Man United 1-0. At home. Wunderbar. Nice. Thank you. Nice. I got something out of it. <laughs> uh, it hasn't taken long for the University of the Fraser Valley's wrestling team to not only be well-known in Canada, but be impressive enough to have their team go on the ultimate road trip. Ready, go! For a wrestling program that's only in its fourth season of Canada West competition, the University of the Fraser Valley Cascades wrestling team is one of the best in Canada. Currently ranked third in the nation, the Cascades are preparing to showcase their skills globally. Come Sunday, the Cascades are off to India for the trip of a lifetime. I don't know, it's just going to be kind of like a movie and a dream country because I always wanted to um, go around the world and, and learn uh, how other people view the sport. So it's going to be a really cool trip. Just going to a different country always gives you great life experiences, um, teaches you about different ways of living. Of course, with business being more and more international nowadays, understanding how different cultures are will always help you. Having a university wrestling program in the heart of the Fraser Valley just makes sense. Abbotsford and the Fraser Valley is home to the largest concentration of South Asians in all of Canada. It's also why the university first reached out to India 10 years ago when it created a satellite Fraser Valley campus in the Indian city of Chandigarh. You know, sport to me is um, its own language. And, and so when you have an opportunity to spend time with somebody on the opposite side of the planet who has the same interests as you, um, that's a huge, huge opportunity, right? You, you experience their culture, you train in their facilities, and it's very different than what our students train in here. The reason why we chose this university because we wanted to um, bind these two countries together using sport. Uh, sport's a, a unique language that 
you know, you don't, uh, that everybody can understand, especially wrestling because it's so popular in India. So view this trip more as a sports trade mission with the Cascades acting as unofficial Canadian diplomats, one that strengthens the ties of two nations through arm locks and takedowns. I think people downplay and think sport is sport, but really sport to me is a, you know, an opportunity to have conversations that don't always happen, you know, even diplomatically. Jay Janowar, Global Sports. Well, Neil McRae was one of the great entertainers in this town. He was a great sportscaster on CKNW for many years, a guy you had to listen to, even if you didn't like him. And some people didn't like him, but they still listened to him, and that was the whole thing about Neil. Uh, the last three years of Neil's life were quite a battle for him. He had a number of cancers he had to deal with. One of them was the kind of cancer most men think they can never get, but men who think that way are wrong. One thing to lose is something else not to at least put on some kind of a show. Earlier this year, well-known sportscaster Neil McRae passed away after battling three separate cancers in the span of three years. The first of the three was one he and most men don't think they can ever get, breast cancer. His wife Lori remembers the day he approached her about a lump that had been growing for months. He just said to me sort of in an offhand way, oh, I've got this funny lump here, what do you think it is? And so I touched it and it was about the size of a golf ball. But because he didn't think anything of it, and obviously it was growing, it was at that point where he thought, huh, maybe I should mention it. Men don't even realize they have breasts often, but men have some breast tissue. And men can get breast cancer. It's not common. Only about 1% of breast cancers are in men. But that still means that there'll be about 230 or so cases in Canada this year. Well, he had to have a mastectomy, which is very standard treatment for women, but it's the same for men. And because it had advanced, it was stage three. So it had gone into his lymph nodes underneath his arm. Um, so he had to have follow-up radiation and chemo. The treatment worked. But during that time, doctors found that Neil had a mutated BRCA gene, which can put people at a higher risk for developing certain cancers. And the BRCA2 gene is really recognized as putting men at higher risk of getting breast and prostate cancer. But as we get better at understanding these risks, we might be able to identify more people earlier and hopefully prevent cancer. And to help speed the research, a fund has been started in Neil McRae's name. Which is going towards um, specifically BRCA gene research in men and also men's breast cancer awareness. He'd be the first one to want other men to know that if you get a lump, go see a doctor, you can successfully treat breast cancer. Wow, who knew? I know, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, and, and, uh, Laurie said when he was told he had cancer, there were two shocks. I have cancer and then I have breast cancer. Yeah. Like, who would have thought? So. 170 centimeters, grouse 122, Cypress a base of 128, and Sasquatch opening soon. Revelstoke and Manning Park opening December 2nd, Powder King with a base of 160 and 6 centimeters of new snow. Mount Washington opening December 8th. Big White and Silver Star opening November 23rd. Sun Peaks, a base of 81 centimeters, and Apex opening December 2nd. All right, take you back to our top story now and the rescue this morning of Annette Poitras and the three dogs in her care missing for two days in the Coquitlam backcountry. It's such a happy ending. It got us all thinking about all the other times a missing person story ended well. 
thanks to the efforts of search and rescuers. Grace Key reports. Finding Julie Abrahamson alive on Black Home Mountain was nothing short of a miracle. In January 2015, the 20-year-old from Norway was snowboarding when she got lost. For three days, she rationed her pasta, waded through creeks, and huddled under rocks and tree branches before a helicopter finally spotted her. I understood that I was in so big trouble, or so much more trouble than I thought. In December 2012, snowboarder Sebastian Boucher went out of bounds and quickly got lost at Cyprus. He spent two nights in freezing temperatures with no food or water. And I had to jump in a tree that was probably six feet uh, further, but 50 feet down. So while I was jumping, I had to grab that branch. If I missed that branch... I was dead. When rescuers spotted 19-year-old Joe Spring in his wrecked car, they expected to find a body. But he had miraculously survived eight days with no food or water at the bottom of an embankment on Highway 97 north of Williams Lake. For me, I didn't really know what time of day it was. It was so squinty, right? It's hard to tell. And half unconscious most of the time. Rita Kretchen spent 48 harrowing days in the winter mountains of Nevada. In March 2011, her husband went for help after their van got stuck in the mud. That was the last time she saw him. So then it was a candy a day and I had some fish oil and I took my fish oil tablet every day and that's all I ate. 